There she, there we go. Okay, so there's three questions that I w I'm gonna give you three minutes to reflect on. And the three questions are, if you had two minutes to sell, tell someone why Jesus or the gospel matters, what would you say? Why does the gospel matter not only in the future but now? And how has your relationship with Jesus changed your life and how does it impact your life today? Okay, so Colossians 4, 2 through 6 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful and with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Throughout your time, yeah, there's a lot of you are like, I'm just like feel like they're silly, and I don't know how to get to get them to go deeper. And I think we take for granted that we as adults have heard the gospel so many times, and but in the moment, are you prepared, and do you have the words to? speak it 
and to answer the questions because we, I think, think that kids know it, but I will tell you that the crew that we brought to Detroit this last time, they could not articulate the gospel. These are churched kids who are missing strong pieces of it, and not that we want to make it a formula, but there are pieces that make the gospel what it is, and so I want to make sure that you could in some way tell the story. I had a neighbor who attended Timberwood um, VBS, and he, because of VBS, could not sleep at night because he was worried about going to hell. And the mom, my neighbor, is like, man, I don't even know what to say to him. Can you please talk to him? She, I go over there, and one, I'm going to give you a variety of ways, because I think that depending the circumstance, it's different things will come up. And I told him the story. I said, hey, buddy, can I tell you a story? And it was basically, I started with the bridge, which is one of them on here. And I went through the whole thing. I talked about how God created man over here, and I drew stick people. And then over here, there's God. I mean, it was as simple as you can get, and that no matter what, because God is perfect and holy, we can never be in his presence because of the separation of sin and how we've all sinned, and we carry this backpack is how I described it to him, and I said, and because of Jesus came to this earth, I drew a cross, I mean, it was like, on a piece of, it was like on a napkin at their house. And because of Jesus dying on the cross, we do not have to be separated from God. We can, through Jesus, walk over and be with God forever. There were no Bible verses that I gave him. There was no, and then I said, because of this, that's backpack. You don't have to carry it. And now you get to pray to God every day to help you at school and be as simple as possible to make it like you, he will help you. But in the end, when you die, you don't have to be worried because you get to go to heaven and you get to be with Jesus forever. And he goes, that's it? How many times do you have to do this? And I go, just once. It's you, today you can start your relationship with Jesus. Do you have any questions? Well, can we do it? And I was like, yeah. So he, he prays, he does this thing, and he's like, all right, Mom. And she's like, we haven't slept in nights, and that's all it took. And she goes, I've never heard that before. And so, like, I don't want you to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, I have to know the right words. However, it can be as simple as this, but the biggest piece that I want to be known is that I feel, and this is me and Matthew, we argue about this a little bit, I think that we as Christians make it be like the end game. Oh, we get to go to heaven. What I, I just did a seminar, seminar with Barna and what um, teenagers feel worldwide about the Bible and about Jesus, and they are more interested, they're like, what about now? What about, what does the gospel do for me today? I think it's great where, like, that we talk about, yeah, because we get to be with God, a holy God forever, and we don't have to live a sin and all this stuff. But teenagers want to know, 
Why does this impact me today? What do am I supposed to do with this today? And so that's piece of this generation being about justice. And so that they can, you know, what I say is, you know, you get to, the other week, we get to have a relationship with him. We can have the fruits of the spirit by, you know, through this relationship, the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience. We get to radiate that because of our relationship with Jesus. We get to stand up for the people who um, are not like us. And what does that relationship, it changes the now and kind of the kingdom is here but not yet. And so on the, one of your papers, it has these letters. What, just there's two of them because I want you to try it. I literally want you to use your pen. Yes, I'm looking at you. What do you think these letters stand for? Just write them out. I'm going to give you a minute. Until he's the one who has to say it. And he's like, oh, oh, Kelsey, what did she write? I think that. Totally, yeah. Um, just because of the recording, Kelsey's just saying that it's hard to um, have them to have dialogue and not just answers, but actual questions. So if I pause this for a second of this, and you see there's levels of conversations where it says one, two, three, four. This is what people have found um, for different levels of conversation. So the first one is surface. That's what you guys are talking about. You're talking about weather. You're talking about sports. You're talking about maybe just like generic cats, whatever, okay? The second one is personal. So then you're trying to get them to open up about maybe something about them, about their family, about their, you know, what is a fear, what is a um, hard thing. And maybe we change the icebreaker question to go deeper. You know, I am putting icebreakers that are like, surface, what do you like? Maybe one option is for me to put something more personal. Number three is religious. So you're talking about religion, your traditions, how one family has done something maybe different than the other.
And then the bottom one is spiritual. Talking about their relationship with God. Is the person seeking God? Do they have questions about who he is, what he does? These, if, if your questions aren't working, I'm not joking. Eric took these and he's like, I made fun of you. But these are actually some really good questions. How often do you feel stressed out these days? These are in all of your rooms. How has your church or, fa or faith impacted your sense of purpose? What do you feel anxious or nervous about when it comes to your future? How do you think social media affects your friendships? These are questions that are in your rooms that maybe you're like, I don't even want to do the questions this week, and I, maybe one of these are your icebreaker questions because they do go a little bit deeper. Um, but I am going to make a note to make the icebreakers switch them up. Because if, what I hear you all saying is, we're real good at surface. We can talk about the things, but maybe we need to go a little bit deeper in a question for an icebreaker that I don't know. And maybe you don't even use them. I know Carl uses them at the end sometimes because they want to talk about these things and that's the motivation. He would use, do all the other questions and do the icebreaker at the end. Okay, so, gospel. What's the G? Huh? God, what did God do? Okay. But what, how he created us to what? Okay, what's the O? Riley, R Riley's got this. R. Is it separate? Now they're like, oh no, if sins were here, what is S? It still sins. What is it? Anyone know? Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. So if I go back to the, the gap or the bridge, um, explaining to them there's no way you can make that jump. I don't care what you do or not do. You cannot be with a holy God. You, your sins will never, will always prohibit that. What's P? Anyone? Come on, make a guess. People what? Pain for paying the price. One part that all the teens missed when we were in Detroit is that he rose again, and you're and they're like, why does that matter? And so we talked a lot about well, if he if he conquered death. And so saying that Jesus died and rose again, 
E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. What about L? Life with him starts now. And lasts forever. Woo! Lasts forever. Amen. Amen. So if you can start remembering pieces of that, and sometimes sharing the gospel might even look kind of like a mini faith story for you. If some kid goes, why do you believe in Jesus? What has Jesus done for you? What are you going to say to them? Thinking through that now so that when they ask those questions, because we pray that they do ask those questions, how would you answer them? When Malia walked in, she's like, um, do you know what Romans wrote is? And so that's here. And that is what I learned when we went to Poland is I, you start at Romans 3.23 in your Bible. And you, oh, what did we do, David? We put a number. Oh, he's like, yeah, he has no idea. But you put, oh, how does it work? Is that what it is? So in your Bible, you start at Romans 3.23. You write the next verse, Romans 6.23. And then at that verse, which happens to be the next, uh, the B part of that, you would write that one. And so then you could lead them in a Bible, in your own Bible, all the way through the Romans, which tells you this in this Another way is you could tell a story, which I'm going to tell to you. Do you have a car? Well, let's say you're driving home this weekend and you were cruising. You're going 105 miles an hour. You're flying. You get busted. The cops were on your radar and you're done. They impound your car and bring you straight to the courthouse to face the judge. Well, the good news is, is that the county you got busted in just happens to be the county in which your dad is the judge. So you're thinking that you're golden. He loves you. He'll let you off. Everything will be fine. But just as you are entering the courthouse, you remember that your dad is a really good judge. He never punishes the innocent. He always punishes the guilty. He's good and just. Now you're a little nervous, which is going to win out his love. Which is going to win out? his love or his justice. He's your dad and he loves you so he'll want to do good to you, but he's just, he's a good judge and therefore he'll want to follow the law and render a just verdict. What do you think he'll do? What will win, love or justice? It's hard to know what he might do and let me walk you through a scenario that shows how he might solve the dilemma. You stand before your dad, that dad the judge, and he says to you, son, this officer says you're going 50 miles over the speed limit. How do you plead? What would you say? 
guilty? Yes, that's a good idea because you are guilty. So he looks at you and says, that will be a $500 or a week in jail. Guilty as charged, and he bangs down the gravel. Well, you don't have any money, and so the bailiff comes to take you away, and you can start serving your time. When your dad, the judge, stands up and says, wait a minute, bring him back here. Then he stands up, takes off his robe, walks down from behind the bench. He reaches into his coat pocket, takes out his checkbook, and writes the court a check for $500, the exact amount of your fine, and then he offers it to you. What, what, going on, what is going on here is it, he is just, so he declares you guilty since you are, and he demands that a penalty be made, paid, but he loves you, and so he is determined to pay that penalty himself on your behalf. Now, as he stands there offering you the check, what do you need to do? Do you accept it or reject it? That's right. You can accept his payment on your behalf or whatever reason you can reject it. Now, roll back the tape. The story, I think, is a great picture of what God does for us. If there are two things primarily true about God, they are that he is loving and that he is just. He loves you. He always has. He cannot love you more, and he will not love you less. He loves you and is just. He always renders a just verdict, but he does the right thing. You can tell a story like this. You don't have to have this exact story, but I mean, and you could Google this. There's so many different stories out there. Um, but the idea is saying, a d it's a different way of showing what Jesus did for us in the fact that he paid our penalty. And then I have this one last thing and then I will let you go. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints as if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. 
The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection, but silly us. Trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says as part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back, you owe him. Eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place, and that someone gotta be perfect, or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness, his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in him and him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins. Something interesting that Barna also said is that many students who are churched would say that they know the gospel, but they're doing nothing about it. And so I think that we take, we kind of just assume that kids know this, but they're not teaching it. They're not living by it. And so they're like, yeah, I'm good. And so how do we encourage them to live it out um, because even the unchurched kids this um, how do I say this the people who do not read their Bible regularly in their study still believe that th that the Bible is the book that um, is for all people as far as justice and so even though these kids may not be engaging in their Bible on their own they still believe that the Bible has the authority to stand up for the people who are less privileged and so it's interesting that they feel that way and they're very justice centered 
but yet they may not be able to live it out or tell someone else about it. So um, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for your time. Don't forget your, your um, cards up here. Um, yeah, thanks for coming. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every leader here and not here, Lord, and I thank you that um, on their heart is young people, young people who are trying to figure out what life means with you and without you and grappling with the hard things that they are encountering. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help these leaders to figure out how to share your love with them whether it be in a story of their own or a prescribed gospel um, acronym. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to go deeper. Help us to go deeper and to have conversations about you and about their relationships with you and how do they use those relationships and bring you wherever they are going to impact even more people and more people's lives so they can experience the love and the joy and the peace that you give. So Lord, um, equip the people in this room who are engaging with them. Um, give them boldness. Give them ears and um, to hear your voice so they know when to speak and when not to speak and how, to, the, how, what words to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming. Oh, it's still on.